Hey guys, what's up? It's Haley and this is Kindled. This is episode 132 and the sponsor of today's episode is Prep Dish. Today I'm going to be chatting with Megan Elling and Megan wrote a book in the month of September called The Great Awakening. Uh, I want to be clear up front before getting into our conversation. This is not purporting to be an unbiased evaluation of both political parties, both mainstream political parties. This episode is not me trying to find some sort of balance between them and say, well, this side is good at this and this side is good at this. This is more of a discussion of what a biblical understanding of politics is for the Christian and how we should think about our government leaders and especially relevant to today, those who think differently than we do. So Megan wrote a book on this topic, actually, in the month of September. Uh, Not only does she have two young children, but she also has a baby on the way due literally any day now. Um, And she wrote it not just from what she was seeing happen in culture, although that was the impetus for it, but from personal experiences and situations that happened in her own life. As she was encountering this new religion of politics or critical political theory, as she calls it. So I just wanted to give that disclaimer up front in case anyone came to this episode hoping to find some sort of a rundown of all the the big, you know, hot button issues of Democrats and Republicans and how they're going to handle it and which one is biblical. That's just not what I'm doing today in this episode that one would not be possible in an hour. And uh, and I wanted to get more at the uh, the ideology behind what we see happening in a lot of culture and in our relationships and in our actual news feeds these days. So if you want a thorough evaluation of the topics, uh, Allie Stuckey is doing that on her podcast, Relatable, and that's a great place to get more of a kind of uh, fact, you know, information, headline, breakdown of all the issues. And she's been doing that for, for several weeks and is continuing that up through the election. So go find her podcast on Relatable if you're looking for that type of uh, an episode. But what this is, is going to be more of a discussion of the phenomenon that we're seeing that is breaking up relationships, causing people to cancel their grandmas, you know, ending friendships all in the name of dismantling hate or voting for their neighbor. It's called all kinds of things. But uh, I, I do want to be clear as well and say that I know that can happen from either side. That can happen from the right, the left. It can happen from anywhere because we're all sinful. We could all do that. This is not primarily a leftist problem, but the book that Megan wrote does focus on um, the ideology that she calls critical political theory, which is a leftist ideology. And so that is primarily what we discuss in this episode, although we do get into a biblical understanding of what politics should be for the for the believer. So I just wanted to kind of give context in case you came here looking for one thing and then found out that it was another. I think it's an amazing episode. It's going to be really helpful and informative to kind of explain what you're seeing happen in um, in culture and especially on social media these days. So uh, anyway, that's that. Uh, and now for my conversation with Megan. All right. Well, today on Kindled, I am chatting with Megan Elling. Megan, thank you for being here today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I am excited to chat with you because we have been friends via Instagram for a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, and so it's fun to connect over my cup of coffee. I don't know if you're drinking anything, <laughs> but you're about it to have fun. a baby. 
I am. Yeah, I'm less than two weeks from my due date. Wow. But I usually go like two weeks over, so that is meaningless. But mm-hmm. well, yeah. that's the same. I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, always late, which is just so fun, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yep, it's great. <laughs> um, are you? I don't know. Are you having a boy or girl? We're having our third girl. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. We talked about that because I have yep. three girls too. Yep. So three girl club. It's fun. Yep. Yeah. I'm excited Lots for of, it. Are your girls girly girls? Um, yes and no. No. I would say okay. they like playing dress up uh, with mm-hmm. Elsa and Anna, but. They like to play outside and get dirty too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Mine are the same way. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Fun three girls is awesome. Yeah, I like it. Um, well, I had you here, you know. I mean, it's not like you have anything big coming up. You're gonna have a baby in <laughs> about two to four weeks. And yet you're here to talk about maybe one of the most like intense topics that I'm gonna cover in this series. Oh wow. Politics. <laughs> yep. Um, I think this is the this is the topic in the Christianity and Culture series that I have been the most angst-filled to discuss on the Mm. podcast because I know there is so much tension right now in our nation Mm -hmm. and around the world and I I mean it's intimidating I think this topic and we'll get into this but like we've kind of been raised to well I say we as though you and I were raised by the same parents we weren't (laughs) but like our culture has definitely taught us that politics it's not polite to discuss politics mm-hmm. right yeah. like keep that out of your you know thanksgiving dinner or your family dinner table conversation like that's mm-hmm. just not we don't we don't want to talk about that and so that's mm-hmm. still kind of built into me and i'm sure to most americans um and so that makes it kind of like a nerve-wracking thing to discuss would you agree yeah totally and i think too like in the church we're told like not to cause division so we think that if we talk about politics, we're, t- we're causing division, but that's also not usually true if it's done correctly, of course. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Not to cause division, not to seek to cause division, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like holding in tension with that reality that the scripture does say, we are told to, um, you know, to honor God with the way we live, to speak mm-hmm. the truth, to obey him, to obey what he said. And so, course we know as christians like a lot of times when we do those things when we obey god we are going to upset the world we are going to Mm -hmm. upset our culture or the people around us because they don't want to obey god or they don't like what we're doing they don't like that it makes them feel like now they have to do it or you know i mean jesus said if they hate me they will hate you and we Mm -hmm. experience that all the time and yet when it comes to politics i think we somehow put that in this other category. Like we're not supposed to let our faith inform that category. We're just supposed to kind of keep them all separate or compartmentalize them somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Which I don't know why exactly. I guess just the the politeness or maybe the uncomfortableness of it, or maybe it's just purely darkness, like trying to keep light out of policies in the world. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a, a combination of everything, like fear of man, not wanting to offend. Um, like you said, just a misunderstanding of the role of politics, mm-hmm. I think. Well, you wrote a book during like the last few months, right? You wrote a book about politics. So can you tell us, before we get into the topic, I'd just love to know, why did you write the book? What is it about? And and why now? 
Yeah. Well, I actually started writing it uh, just this month in September. Um, wow. Okay. I was not planning to write a book. And it's a short book. It's not mm-hmm. like a two thousand or 200,000 word sure. giant thing. Um, but um, yeah, I just was confused all year about the responses people would give to people who disagreed with them. So they were like canceling their grandmas, shaming people online, private messaging people, like really cruel things. And all of the responses seemed so similar, but I could not understand them. And it seemed like other people could not understand them. And did you see that viral post from Design Mom? Yes, I did. She was, uh, she wanted people or all Trump supporters to be shamed and shunned essentially. Yes. And I wasn't, upset about the particular candidate I would be upset either way with whatever she said um, how she said it and what she said really clarified to me that that kind of ideology has become its own religion essentially Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it has its own worldview its own answer for salvation redemption Um, gives an answer for humanity's problems and proposes solutions to solve it and I noticed that their moral goal is to free people from oppression so they are therefore immoral if they do they see oppression happening and do nothing about it so the book is exploring that ideology and okay so it's, it's kind of like critical theory in politics mm, okay mm-hmm. so understanding the ideology and then how to respond to it as christians and how to promote unity biblically in response mm-hmm. to that so basically you're saying that the people who subscribe to this ideology of, of politics as religion um, view like the greatest problem that man is facing as oppression. Yep, exactly. Yep. Oppression via like a politician or? Oppression or well, anything fundamentally that encourages oppression. So if you vote for a particular candidate, you are therefore complicit in upholding oppression. Mm-hmm. So that's why people no longer have relationships relationships with their grandmas because mm-hmm. their grandmas are complicit in oppression. So, I mean, obviously we know right now because of the time we're in, like we're talking about Donald Trump as a conservative representative, but would you say that this like ideology goes deeper and beyond the current state of American politics or would like, would you say it doesn't really, it's not really about Donald Trump or would you say that he's integral to the creation of this like, politics as religion type concept yeah i don't i don't think i think that's a yes and no answer i think it was maybe uh deepened by donald trump but i think it was forming before that um you've talked about critical theory on this podcast yes. right mm-hmm. um so critical theory is um yeah just uh focuses on oppressor versus oppressive right status as mm-hmm. uh, um freeing people from oppression um, yeah, it categorizes everybody as either yeah. a member of the oppressor class or the oppressed. Yeah. And the only solution is to free the oppressed from under the, you know, rule of the oppressor. Yep. And so what that looks like today would be, um, you know, the white majority culture, for instance, uh, yep. oppressing minorities. And so the only solution is basically like, revolt and overturn the current system which is what we see happening right now exactly so i think that started with marxism and has led all the way up to i think the 1970s is when postmodern really t- postmodernism really took root and critical theory stemmed out of that and that has slowly been gaining in 
popular mm-hmm. ideology. Yeah. And identity politics. Yeah. I would agree. I don't think it started with Trump. I think that he just like poured fuel on the yeah. fire, I guess, mm-hmm. by um by being himself. <laughs> yeah. And um and I don't know. I'm I mean, probably the whole the question of why is bigger than you and I can answer today, but mm-hmm. um but I think we would all agree that the foundation of this has been being built for decades. Of course, we know that the history of race relations in America are a very challenging thing. Like yeah. the, it's been a bad, a bad past for mm-hmm. us, you know? Yeah, and so, sure. so it's not like it just came out of nowhere. It's, it's obviously mm-hmm. very um, embedded in our nation's story. Yeah. And Definitely. you and I are talking about much more than that today, but that's just oh, kind yeah. of what we're, that's what we're talking about um, in regards to critical theory. And so maybe how mm-hmm. does like, can you walk us through like sort of what you discovered as you un- uh, uncovered the religion of politics, or I don't know what you call it in the book, but can you walk yeah. us through that? I noticed that their greatest moral duty is to free people from systems of oppression. Mm-hmm. And they, it really gives a definition for any orthodox term that you could define in Christianity, like sin, redemption, restoration. Um, so I noticed sin is any action or behavior that supports or contributes to the oppression of groups of people. And mm. sin is determined by perceived action, uh, but more commonly by association, not by factual action. Mm-hmm. Um, redemption is anyone who finds salvation when they confess, confess their wrong politics or beliefs and convert to those right viewpoints and support the right candidates um restoration is when someone votes correctly supports the correct causes and rejects everyone else they are holy when they uh shun reject and shame people who are considered to be promoting or part of systems of oppression and they are therefore unholy if they see it happening and do not do anything to stop it and yeah like i've said their main problem that they see in this world is others ignorance hate and refusal to repent of their sin of upholding systems of oppression so is this like do you have a name for this phenomenon that you've mentioned um i just refer to it as like the new new religion of politics or like critical political theory okay so is this being perpetrated by both like what we would traditionally know as liberals and conservatives or does this happen mostly on one side of the aisle I see it happening on the far left progressive side. Okay. Um, I, I maybe it happens a little bit on the conservative side. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like an idolatry of politics that mm-hmm. every anybody can be a, a part of, but this is yeah. like a specific ideology within the idolatry of politics. Okay. Yeah. So I meant I noticed that as you were talking, you said the words correct or right a few times. Uh huh. Which what's funny about that is like that implies that there is an absolute standard of correctness or rightness. Like we have to have a definition of what is good and bad or right and wrong um, in order to say something is correct or the right perspective, like vote for the correct candidate, vote for the right candidate. Well, what's the right, like, obviously we know that's all very subjective depending on Mm -hmm. who you ask, who's the right person to elect. Like you're going to get a different answer from every single person. Mm -hmm. So then how, like, how do they define correct or right i mean it's it's just is it their own view or is there some other standard by which they're measuring um from everything i've seen it seems like their standard of right is anything that dismantles systems of oppression 
and everything wrong is anything that upholds systems of oppression or promotes them from their view would be a lim- they would have a limited description of what that is i guess is my well, point. for sure because it's entirely like, subjective yeah okay because i would agree i think where we would you know if if that's a leftist view mm-hmm. i'm a conservative i know you're a conservative like we mm-hmm. would agree with them that there are things in this nation that oppress certain classes of people even certain races of people like we we would agree Mm -hmm. but we would probably disagree on what those quote-unquote systems of oppression are yeah and there's so the solutions to the problems because they the strength of it is that it brings up um the problems that we are facing Mm -hmm. so it's a really thing but the answers it gives are not the, the right solution right so let's look at, before we go any further, let's look at what, what the role of government needs to be according to the Bible. What is the role of government? Because I think this is, we get so caught up in our current state of affairs that uh, I, I think we need to like pull back and widen the lens a little bit and look at what the mm-hmm. Bible actually says the role of government is supposed to be in order for us to engage with this responsibly and biblically. Yeah, for sure. Um, so God created the role of government, and under him, government has the authority authority to rule, and our duty is to submit to biblical government. Um, the government is created by God and is meant to punish evil doing and promote good action. Um, it's created to establish and maintain law and order, create a fair and just society, and it's supposed to execute biblical justice. So then inside of that system, obviously, uh, in the United States, we have a president, we have mm-hmm. a democracy, or I guess technically a republic. Yeah. Um, so how would you, how should we understand the role of president in this nation? And I know there's many people listening all over the, the world that are not in the United States. And so mm-hmm. you'll just have to understand that obviously the roles or titles may be different where you live, but um, but God set up government as a ruling you know, a, a, a system of governing people everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he basically mm-hmm. said this is good and he put this in place um, because mankind needs it because we are sinful and yeah. fallen and there's got to be someone to maintain some sort of order. How should we as Christians understand the office of president? Yeah, I think in America or anybody uh, with, I think in Canada, they have a what prime minister. Mm-hmm. Um we can think of the president as the person who leads us towards implementing biblical policy. So the person will never be perfect. Um, and their goal is, or their role is not to be God. It's to um, maybe stand as like a mediator between evil law and right law mm-hmm. and to make sure that biblical law, even we live in a country that separates um, the separation of church and state, but it's still meant to def- determine between good and evil. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that we as a nation have lost our way in understanding the office of president? I, and if I so, just, why? <laughs> yeah, I, I think of the that's not my president thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that's totally fine if people don't like the president, um, but we still have the authority of a president. Mm-hmm. And I think people have just a general misunderstanding of politics in general. Like it goes back to what you were saying about the politics as religion. Mm-hmm. When you idolize something and you worship it, 
um, you need it to be, I mean, you need it to be able to fulfill your expectations of that thing. Mm -hmm. And so if we have idolized someone or something that cannot fulfill our expectations um, and is guaranteed to fail our expectations actually, and really Mm -hmm. let us down in a lot of big ways, um, I think that is going to incense and enrage and upset us even more than it typically would because yeah. we've we've escalated it and elevated it to this position of you know authority and like aspiration that we mm-hmm. never should have or that it wasn't actually meant to have mm-hmm. and that's why we can end up with people so so angry and so incensed mm-hmm. and enraged over having someone like Donald Trump as president who they view as um you know, uh, just a terrible human. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just like, gonna like some of the things you've heard, I mean, yeah. we've, we've all heard them, you know, like you said, not mm-hmm. my president, immoral. I mean, you even hear this from Christians, yep. um, sinful, evil, mm-hmm. all these things that actually, um, you know, as, as a side note, the Bible describes all of mankind that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting uh, that it's like suddenly we have, and I don't, again, I don't know that we can answer why, why now, why did, why haven't we done this with anyone else? Why is it just now that everything has become so incredibly polarized? Uh, mm-hmm. But, that, but it certainly has. I mean, for sure. There's, there's no denying that things have become more extreme than ever. I'm sure we have a lot of reasons to, to kind of thank for that. And social media is absolutely one of them. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, but okay, so what what is the actual definition of politics? Because I think we're going to need to start getting into discussing like the role of politics in the life of Christians and in the mm-hmm. life of a nation. What is your definition of politics? Yeah, so politics are very literally the impl- implementation of policy. Um, the purpose of them is to create a fair, just, and safe society for us to live in. Um, so when we vote, we're electing the people who will write, create, and implement that policy that will directly affect our lives and the lives of everybody around us. Um, politics are how we bring biblical policy to our world. Um, we need to remember that the purpose of politics is not to bring God's kingdom here. Um, we should try, but we all know that that will never happen apart from Christ's return. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should view it as a goal, but not the expectation, because that would, again, create an idol of politics, because politics will never create um, a perfect society. Mm -hmm. So you said politics was the implementation of policies, foundationally. Do you, you, first of all, do you, do you believe there is a disconnect for Christians who have compartmentalized their politics from their faith? Do you believe that's an issue? Or, and if if so, like, what would you, what could you speak to that? Yeah, I think, um, a lot of people do have a good view of politics, but a lot of people don't. Um, I think it's a misunderstanding of what the biblical role of politics is. They, I think we mentioned it at the beginning that um, morals, or you should keep your politics out of your religion, but morals directly I- impact your politics. Morals are your politics. You cannot separate them. Um, so I think... Yeah, um, people need to learn the biblical role of politics. They need to know what is appropriate to do in regards to politics. They need to know what is inappropriate to do surrounding politics, especially regarding like how to talk to people and interact 
with discussions surrounding politics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it all comes down to having a biblical understanding of politics and how to engage with that. I want to take a second to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Prep Dish. Prep Dish provides meal plans that keep your family happy and healthy. The model is shop once, prep once, and eat all week. You can say goodbye to the dreaded what is for dinner. Prep Dish is offering Kindle listeners a two-week free trial to start eating better today. It basically just means you're planning ahead, simplifying your life, and your week. A few of the recipes that I'm going to try this week from Prep Dish are their pumpkin mousse. That is, if I can find some canned pumpkin, what is with the shortage? I don't understand that. Uh, And then the pecan-crusted chicken collard wraps, which looked amazing. And I have never used collard greens before, so that will be interesting and fun. And chicken cauliflower chowder, which is dairy-free and is made with coconut milk. I mean, that sounds amazing. Prep Dish is just so fun to try all the new recipes. They're healthy, they're easy to make, and best yet, you're going to have everything prepped ahead of time so you won't have to spend two hours in the kitchen on a weeknight because I ain't got time for that. Check it out and get your free trial at PrepDish.com slash Kindled. All right, back to my conversation with Megan. Right. And that's why, I mean, I think that a lot of Christians, like we mentioned, um, just probably haven't been taught like, yeah. because mm-hmm. we were, we were kind of, um, told to, you know, keep, make the, keep the conversation polite mm-hmm. and we weren't. And I think another major issue here is that like Christians included don't know how to discuss ideas separate from like the people who have them. They don't know how to debate or defend an idea without demonizing the yes. person. Exactly. That's a really good point. Yep. And so I think there's just a lot of people, I mean, and, and I I've experienced this as well that I it's challenging if someone doesn't like your idea to not like late to not um misinterpret that as they don't like me. So mm-hmm. I am my ideas. Exactly. Um, And we've, and that means that we have misplaced our identity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have put even as, and this is where I think people on the right or the conservative side may not, may not necessarily be intentionally idolizing their politics, but at the very least, I think many are in fact, but Mm -hmm. at the very least we are, we have misplaced identity because we, we have um, believed that if you reject my idea, you reject me mm-hmm. you know as a human being yep. and as a person mm-hmm. so w- how then i mean how do we make sense of this like this is the situation we're in as believers like given the kind of the politics of what did you call it critical pro- uh, crit- critical political theory critical political theory okay i'm not to remember that w- what is your like what is your takeaway from all of that now like as you have kind of thought about these issues mm-hmm. and are, are looking at them critically and writing about them like what what do we do about this yeah um i think we start with our own hearts um the that ideology uh thinks that the solution is found in shaming people and rejecting people but i think unity is found with us it starts with us um so when we see people shaming and rejecting. We don't match that. We mm. accept and listen and love to ev- love everybody, regardless of what they think, mm-hmm. regardless of, of if we think they are even 
being evil. Like we don't get the luxury of rejecting people for their beliefs or their actions, even according to Christ. Um, because if that was the case, then we would, we should be rejected too. Yeah. Um, that's a great point. And we should have a spirit of humility because if we are arrogant in our beliefs, then that means that we believe that our way is the only way and politics will not solve all of our problems. So therefore that is idolatry. So we need to have a spirit of humility. Um, And I think it starts with contending for our culture instead of thinking we are at war with our culture. Mm. Um, Mark Sayers, one of my favorite authors describes contending in his book, reappearing church as Mm. the act of moving from a life, a life posture of consumption and passivity to one of contending for God's presence to come with power. So I think we think that we're in a culture war to win a political ideology or even just to be right. Um, But we have to remember that we're first in a spiritual war to win hearts in a country to Christ. Um, So I think, yeah, it all starts with us personally. Yeah. I think that's really, really key. And I, I think that that's so easy to lose sight of because like you said, if we think that we are first at war with our culture, mm-hmm. we're going to approach people entirely differently than yeah. we will if we understand that our mission as believers is to win hearts, yep. to not our kingdom here on earth, but to God's kingdom, his exactly. eternal kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so it's really just having that eternal perspective. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that, you know, I, I, you and I have talked about this a little bit outside of this interview, but I don't think that, um, you know, in light of that, we would say that there isn't, um, you know, there isn't a, a, a side of the debate here in terms of ideologies and values that does align more with scripture's values. Mm-hmm. Um can you speak to that? Like what, I mean, and this is going to be really specific right now in this Mm -hmm. part of the conversation to the United States, but um, we have a two-party system for better or worse. I'm not, can't say, I think it's the best thing. It's just Mm -hmm. what we have. It's what has um, emerged. I mean, there are, there are third parties. They have not really gotten enough ground to make a huge dent in recent Mm -hmm. years that may change. Um, but right now we have a two party system and, and one in which the parties have, um, I think drifted further and further from each other in Mm -hmm. especially recent decades. I I don't think they used to be as divided as they are now. The differences Mm -mm. used to be pretty minor, like Mm -hmm. bigger government, smaller government. Like, do we want to spend a little more or spend a little less? It was, (laughs) it was more like, it was really more ideological um, uh, or the ideological differences were, were smaller. And now it feels like we are oceans apart. Yeah. Um, And so uh, maybe you could speak to that and how, like where the parties have drifted ideologically and just kind of give us like a lay of the land. Yeah. Um, So they definitely have drifted. Um, The parties now I think are separated by liberalism versus postmodern ideology. So conservatism is now actually holding traditional liberal policies. Um, The policies like the marketplace of ideas, every idea should be welcomed. Um, Mm -hmm. It values every human or or individual human rights and values and the idea that truth is definitive, not relative. Um, So those are liberal values, not as in Democrat values, but just like liberalism. Those are the values Mm -hmm. of it. And both parties used to adhere to those. Mm -hmm. But now I think the left, specifically the far left, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lump everybody together. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but it has adopted postmodern ideology, kind of what I mentioned um, in regards to my book. Um, and that is rooted in theory. So I've been reading a really good book called Cynical Theory, How Activist Scholarship Made Everything About Race, Gender, and Identity, and Why That Hurts Everyone. Mm. Um, in the book, they compare the ideology, ideologies of liberalism and theory. Um, it's really interesting. They say that the theory says that knowledge is created by humans. It is based upon groups maintaining power and privilege. It rejects the individual in favor of the good of the group, and it focuses on victimhood. So those things are all in direct opposition to liberalism, but also in direct opposition to biblical values. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I've said, basically theory is focused on dismantling systems of oppression based on perceived oppression. And liberalism is focused on individuals working to better themselves and their world through individual motivation, not group mm-hmm. motivation. Yeah, that's super interesting that, um, and that's not something that I had really thought about how uh, the conservative party today, or I guess the conservative, um, what would you call it? Not party. Ideology? Yeah, ideology. Yeah, the conservative uh, side of the fence has (laughs) drifted more towards, um, probably drifted more towards the center for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got radicalists on both sides. For we, sure. we know that. We've, yep. got ex- we've got the extreme right. We've got the extreme left. But what you're saying is that this, the, the concepts of liberalism um, have now become, they're more in line with what the average conservative today would support. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. being the idea that truth, like, can you go over that one more time? Because I think yep. that that's really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Um, so liberalism or traditional... I would just say traditional democratic values mm-hmm. that both liberalism and conservatism historically yeah. held to, even if they disagreed on solutions mm-hmm. to problems. Um, but liberalism says that um, it, it values the marketplace of ideas. Um, it says every idea should be welcomed and not shunned or rejected. Mm-hmm. It values individual human rights and values. Um, it says that the idea that truth is definitive, it is not relative or subjective, um, and its ideology accepts criticism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which we don't see that happening. For instance, um, that post from design mom that yeah. like, and, and if anyone hasn't read that, we probably should have given some like yeah. meat to what she said, but basically I, I think you did actually, you said that Just she basically, briefly, yeah. yeah. Said that, you know, if you are voting for Trump, she wants you to not be invited to neighborhood barbecues. She wants you to not have access to Netflix or to Target. Hulu or Target. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want you to be able to, you know, shop in in the marketplace, quote unquote, like you were just saying the marketplace of ideas. Like they should yep. not, you should not have access to them because of your, the way you're going to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we see like the desire to basically um, purge society of a certain ideology or, or idea or group of people who adhere to those ideas, mm-hmm. not because like they have done anything act like actively in fact, in truth, done anything um, to her specifically or to mm-hmm. a group generally just because of what they believe. Exactly. So yeah. that's, a, that's different. That's a departure from, you know, historically like seeing a group or an individuals for what they do and, and perpetrate as like evil or immoral, but now just seeing mm-hmm. like, no, your ideas and what you believe is unacceptable. Yeah. And even the due process is going by the wayside, you know, it's kind of just determined by what is accepted as truth. Yeah. Right. 
whatever fits the already believed worldview yeah which mm-hmm. has already been determined um by those who are kind of spearheading that movement i guess yeah so um is there one party that is more aligned with scripture and um what evidence can you give us for for that yeah well i personally believe that conservatism aligns more with scripture i would never say i'm a republican i would never join a party i personally like vote independent a lot of times um but i do lean um right um i think that for specifics obviously abortion um both sides even if you vote democrat and you're against abortion both sides like suggest ways that are best to reduce it but um the right side wants to just put an end to it and not Mm -hmm. you know maybe focus on ways to help um mothers in need also which is really needed um but yeah the right is focused on just obviously not killing children um and then i think another big one is um giving out of our hearts and not out of compulsion so the left seems more focused on socialism lately which is not a historic um policy that they've supported but the Bible says that we are supposed to give out of our hearts and not compulsion. And socialism is giving obviously out of compulsion. Mm-hmm. And then another big one I think is right and wrong is deemed out of action and fact and truth and not in subjective truth or mob mentality um, and not in oppressor status or group association. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are really key areas. I think, yeah, the extreme left has has made, um, like you said, abortion not just uh, something that was in the past safe, legal, and rare, as Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton described it, yeah. but now is a, a right, uh, and they would say even a reproductive right, which is quite the um, ironic statement since it's the opposite. Like aborting yeah. a child is, well, one, you've yeah. already reproduced. So exactly. that's not a, a reproductive right in any way, but it's this mi- mischaracterization of what it truly is. Yep. And then um, it's become like a, a major platform of um, every left, like leftist uh, candidate in recent history, um, mm-hmm. because we have shifted from believing that, you know, again, like when it was made legal, that they should be safe, legal and yeah, safe, legal and rare to mm-hmm. now it's like, I mean, you have women like shouting their abortions from social media saying yep. how much they were able to succeed in life or, you know, get ahead as a result of being able to have multiple abortions in some cases. And mm-hmm. people like Michelle Williams at, I think it was the Oscars are just bragging mm-hmm. about it and elevating it. And, you know, Miley Cyrus, um, all kinds of pop culture icons, um, you know, working with Planned Parenthood to really glorify and glamorize the abortion industry, yeah. um, which is just incredibly despicable and should be despicable mm-hmm. to every Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is, that is, I, I think, you know, the issue of life is such a, such a central issue mm-hmm. for us to be discussing because it is like, I, I think that when people say, you know, well, you're just a one party or a one issue voter, a single issue yeah. voter, that is such a diminishment of the value of life, you know, and somebody said that to me this way, if one party's campaigned on a platform of killing all five-year-olds and you were like, 
well, I clearly can't support that. I have to vote for the party that is not going to kill all five-year-olds. And somebody said, well, you're just a single issue voter. Wouldn't that sound idiotic? Like, wouldn't you be like, well, yeah. of course I'm a single issue voter because that's a huge issue. That's, that's foundational. Mm-hmm. If you're going to kill all five-year-olds, I don't even care what your tax policy is. <laughs> yeah. I don't even care what your immigration policy is. Like, I can't care about anything else because you're going to kill all five-year-olds. Yeah. Right? Like, that, yeah. it would just be insane for you to even be discussing immigration policy or anything else or healthcare reform. You'd be mm-hmm. like, healthcare like you want to kill five-year-olds how can we talk about healthcare like that's that's where i think like so many of us who are quote-unquote single issue voters are it's like i can't even begin to have a conversation about whether or not i agree with anything else that the party is doing until that issue is dealt with and until i mean and and that's why that's why i'm a single issue voter and i always will be but i i actually think that's not the right way to characterize it at all no, I think that phrase is used to like minimize mm-hmm. people or kind of like guilt them into yeah their voting choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a lot of people are voting for a candidate simply because they don't like the other candidate, not even about policy. So, right, it, you know, everybody's kind of a single issue voter, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be a single issue voter. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're that passionate about one issue, I don't understand why it's wrong to vote on that one issue. Yeah. But I guess I would say like if somebody if somebody is voting primarily against, you know, one candidate, I would say then you probably misunderstand how politics work because oh. politics are not primarily one man or woman mm-hmm. um doing anything unilaterally. You are voting in an entire party, an entire ideology, a system of belief, an entire worldview that mm-hmm. is held by the larger party. Um, at mm-hmm. least in the United States, that's how it works. I would imagine it's pretty similar everywhere. Yeah. But um, but that is like that is you know what I guess what I would say is my apologetic for voting for um, you know a conservative platform even when you don't like the guy at the helm of the ship. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, frankly, it's not just him. It's you're voting for so much more than just one individual. Yeah, we need to remember that we're voting more for policy and not for a person because um, if we decide who the most moral person is then we will just endlessly argue because no one is ever going to be moral ever um so i think we should obviously consider the mistakes or immorality of candidates but Mm -hmm. someone will always find severe fault with anybody both sides are vilifying the other candidate Mm -hmm. which drives me crazy on both sides but um we need to look at what policy they will bring in what will Mm -hmm. they do about racism what, what what will they do about school choice school improvement homeschool laws the police uh, gun laws what will they do about it because mm-hmm. the people you elect are going to be the people who implement those policies and i i even said to my husband this year I was like i never really cared about the city council before i didn't realize how directly they impact mm-hmm. my daily life yeah but you see the city councils are the ones deciding police reform or police defunding across the mm-hmm. country yeah um so it's a great point. Yeah. A lot of yeah. us didn't know who our, yeah, who our city councils were or our county commission was like, I, yeah. I now know like, you know, five of the seven commissioners or whatever. It's like, 
And I know which ones I am going to be depending on when it comes down to that mask mandate vote, you know, all oh, the yeah. things. It's just so interesting how, mm-hmm. how much more aware of politics we've become in, as they have more and more, obviously, in, in the season of a pandemic have uh, affected mm-hmm. our day- daily lives, as you said. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I know this is tough and I know that a lot of people listening probably are like, yeah, I mean, I know all this, but what do I do about the reality that, you know, I, um, I feel division from between friends or between my family members Mm -hmm. in regards to politics. And I don't Mm -hmm. know how to have a conversation that is meaningful or good without just everyone getting so upset and causing more pain and more problems. Mm -hmm. When is it worth like having tough conversations versus just agreeing to disagree. Do you have anything that you have found helpful in your own life? Yes. Um, So I think it's not worth having a hard conversation with somebody about politics unless it starts to hurt the relationship. So if it's not hurting anything, I don't, I don't bring it up. Um, But when it starts to damage the relationship, I think that's when it's worth bringing up. So like, Mm Hey, I I feel kind of distant from you, but probably you've been talking to me about politics. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. We can talk about this. Um, and I think it also might be worth having a tough conversation about politics if you see someone hurting their relationship with God over it too, or if they're hurting other people's relationship with God over it. Um, like if they're causing division over their political beliefs, like actual yeah. division, not just like differing opinions. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great rule of thumb if it's causing. Mm-hmm um, division in your relationship that it's time to address it. Mm -hmm. How can Christians love one another across political boundaries and in spite of differences Mm -hmm. and views? Yeah. I think I mentioned this earlier, but a lot of it comes back down to our own hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, we can't expect other people to behave a certain way. Um, it has to start with us. Um, we can set boundaries with people and not engage with people who are being cruel or shaming or rejecting, but ultimately we're going to, change our culture um with when we accept that it's our individual responsibility to um be humble to not cause division to not speak cruelly to assume the best in other people mm-hmm. um to not speak harshly um i think it's hugely hugely important to be careful about how we speak to everybody mm-hmm. um I, so many people are speaking to each other um just terribly and it's just completely disregarding the fact that everybody is an image bearer of god and I think that is the one of the biggest things we can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's such good reminders. Um, even if, you know, and, and of course we all think we're right. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. thinks they're right. Otherwise you wouldn't think what you think you believe yeah. we all, it's a matter of belief. We're all believing something to be true and we wouldn't believe it unless we believed it. So exactly. the, the problem there is that, yeah, we are not, um, you know, we, we probably misunderstand politics, uh, when, you know, I think that I, I should say, I often forget that politics are not merely, um, about the policies. They are, they're Mm -hmm. connected to deeper beliefs. They are connected to what Mm -hmm. someone believes about, you know, for instance, their view of God, their view of man, their view of God's role in the world, their view of God's Mm -hmm. sovereignty, their view of um, right and wrong, good and evil, what, you know, the 10 commandments, whether they adhere to them or not, whether they think that they matter at all to our lives or are even relevant to the mm-hmm. world today. And so, I mean, we're, we're talking about so much more 
than simply the policies or the platforms or the the presidents that we may or may not be electing when we're talking about politics. And that's why it feels so heavy and so deep seated and so hard to pick apart and understand where someone's coming from. And so um, I would say even just if, if you do, if, and when you do get into a deeper conversation with someone or you're having um, a hard conversation to probably avoid the, the people, you know, avoid, uh, avoid having a debate over the person, for instance, over mm-hmm. Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. That's yeah. not really like that may be what it sounds like is someone's problem or issue, but really fundamentally, there's probably something behind that. There's probably mm-hmm. a really deep seated, um, issue with, you know, with, with something other than just him as a person, it, it may, it may be about, you know, something that he's done. It may be a, a belief about, you know, humanity or what is loving or what is unloving. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can get beneath the person to the deeper issue and try to understand what is it that is like causing you so much angst about this, or what yeah. is it that you hate so much about this person? Um, which like, you know, is an issue in and of itself because the Bible does tell us that hate is murder. So we actually shouldn't mm-hmm. be hating anyone. We shouldn't even be hating the other party's presidential candidate. We shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if you can get beneath that surface level, like the policy and how it works out or who you vote for to the deeper issues, you might find a little bit more of the ability to agree on, hey, look, we both want the same thing. We mm-hmm. actually both really value human life, um, but we disagree about how to how to get it. You know, mm-hmm. we disagree yep. about how to value it um, when mm-hmm. it comes to the policies. And so, yeah. if you can get to those deeper issues, I think you will find the ability to see a little bit more eye to eye. Maybe you won't get totally on the same you know on the same page, but at least you can see each other as people that you know that maybe your hearts are more similar than you realized. Yeah, that's a really good point. Exactly how can we reconcile the fact that someone may be getting it wrong and yet we are supposed to love them? And, and what does that look like? Yeah. Um, so I'll tell a story of two family members and I might get a little out of breath cause I'm 38 weeks pregnant, but um, <laughs> that's okay. So I have two family members and they both probably believe exactly the same things. So if you took any belief I had, it would probably be, they would probably hold the exact opposite belief. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one is pretty much like a brother to me. Um, we don't discuss politics really. Um, we're very open with each other though. Um, th- th- this person tells me anything I, as far as I know. Um, very close. Um, yeah. They, I know he passionately disagrees with my beliefs, but he's always respected what I believe. Mm-hmm. And I've always respected that he believes what he's he believes Mm -hmm. um i think a lot of times we don't need to tell people the reasons they're getting it wrong Mm. um we just it just doesn't come across as loving you know we don't need to go down a laundry list of why everybody's wrong so in the case with this family member the relationship is more important than bringing up contentious things Mm. um because i feel like in this case loving them is more important than trying to convince them that all the ways i think they're wrong Mm-hmm. Um, so this other family member believes probably every single thing mm-hmm. as the first one I mentioned. Um, but this person was treating people very harshly as a result and basically canceled grandma, mm. social media comments to anyone she disagreed with and refused to respect other people's requests to respect them and put aside political commentary. Yeah. 
So in this case, I privately asked this person to, hey, can you please treat people with respect and me with respect? Um, that was not an option for her. So mm. I set a boundary and said, I, I don't want to be around you until my boundary is respected. Mm-hmm. And obviously that has not been, that's not happened. I do not mm. foresee seeing her for a long time, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So I think sometimes responding to somebody getting it wrong means setting boundaries. We don't just need to be doormats. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it means setting a boundary when they see that, when we see that they're causing harm to relationships. Mm-hmm. That is a really tough place to be mm-hmm. because you, we just have to, we have to remember that um, everyone's not going to hold the same values that we do in terms of relationships being more important than, um, than agreement mm-hmm. and maintaining unity being like the, the primary goal for believers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do think that it's important that we don't obviously sin in the process, but like you said, if we are seeking to love people and keep the pathway open to discussion where it is appropriate or where we feel comfortable or, you know, depending on the depth of the relationship. And I think that the, the deeper and closer you are, the more you can wade into those waters and come mm-hmm. out. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but certainly like there's, there's just not like, because we're talking about belief issues, you're not going to go around, you know, spewing your ideas, changing people's minds. It just doesn't no. happen that way. No. And I mean, that's not how we approach evangelism. Mm-mm. We talk about, you know, how most of your life as a, a Christian in, in the work of evangelism, you're going to be really just gardening, not harvesting. You're not going to mm-hmm. probably be the one leading most of the people you talk to to Christ. You might just be one of the people they talk to along their journey mm-hmm. that God is using in their life, you know? And so for yeah. most of us, that's kind of the the position we understand we're in. But somehow when it comes to politics, I think all that goes out the window. We forget it and we think it's <laughs> our job to evangelize everyone and change their mind and give them evidence of why they're wrong. And it's like, if we did that with our faith, like I think Christianity would have like died off long ago. Um, you know, but I think Mm -hmm. that, that we need to maybe remember when it comes to the thing that is the most important, we treat it. I I think at least many of us understand that it is like not, we are not the Holy spirit. It is not our job to change people's hearts. We can't do Mm -hmm. that even if we want to, Mm -hmm. and we need to trust God. And I think that ultimately even our politics need to come under the authority of that same reality Mm -hmm. that God is sovereign. He's in control. And we can certainly, where it's appropriate, like I said, argue ideas, or argue for better mm-hmm. ideas and enter the civic square and you know run for office if you want. Whatever you want to do as a Christian, I think is great. Mm-hmm. I would encourage that. But ultimately recognize like we are not the Holy Spirit and we are not going to change people's minds by you know um, posting one more link on our Facebook feed. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like the example of the second family member I said shows how poorly um like argumentative and harsh Mm -hmm. speech towards people comes across it doesn't Mm -hmm. you're not convincing anybody by speaking like that or treating people like that you're only going to drive them away so Mm -hmm. any hope we have for truly loving people and i mean getting them to see christ because ultimately i care about people seeing christ before my politics um comes down to being in relationship with mm-hmm. people yeah. correctly and like 
genuinely caring about the relationship, not about converting them. Yeah, absolutely. People over politics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess we could sum it up in yeah. in that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, that's really helpful. Well, Megan, um, I would love for people to be able to learn more about you, connect with you online and grab your book whenever that yeah. is available. So where can yeah. I find you? Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram at Megan Elling. Um, I have an extra A. It's M-E-A-J-N. Um, and I also write on my website, MeganElling.com. And my book will be available as a free download um i probably at the beginning of october unless i give birth early then it'll be a little after Mm -hmm. um but yeah awesome so great thank you so much for sharing everything you've been learning with us i think that'll be so helpful yeah thanks so much for having me well guys it's now past the beginning of october and megan did release her books you can grab that for free at her profile Guys, thanks for listening today. I hope that conversation was encouraging and helpful for you. Come find me this week on Instagram at HaleyWilliams.Kindled. Be sure and leave a review for the podcast on the podcast app if you haven't done that. Um, I would I read every single one. I really do. I would love to hear what you think. And what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, there will be another new Firestarters this Friday if you're in our Patreon community. Um, and if not, you want to grab that extra bonus episode as well as all the previous episodes you can join patreon at patreon.com slash kindled podcast all right guys have an awesome week i will see you next monday bye